breaching the fault lines of today. Welcome to Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome to another episode this week of Reform This on the Blaze Podcast Network. This is your faithful American Muslim patriot, always uh, ready to talk to you about the issues that maybe some people just won't cover. And on this Memorial Day weekend, we will not disappoint. A couple of the topics that I think uh, are, are deferred, neglected, and you may have missed because they weren't covered in the mainstream media. Um, yeah, a, a pensive weekend, a reflective weekend on those that gave the ultimate sacrifice for our country. And it also coincided with our biggest, our second biggest holiday in the Islamic calendar, the end of Ramadan, the beginning of the 10th month. Ramadan is the ninth month of the Islamic uh, lunar calendar. The first day of the 10th month is the holiday of the feast or Eid al-Futr, which we celebrate the conclusion as Muslims, we celebrate the conclusion of 30 days, give or take a day, of fasting, days of atonement, reflection, a pensive daily undertaking of fasting from water, food, anything by mouth. And every year, I think that, uh, yes, there is the tedium of fasting for 30 days and then large meals in the evening and waking up early in the morning. But I do think, as with any faith tradition, fasting, um, restricting things that uh, you may feel that you need otherwise, is a act of belief, an act of worship, an act that we believe we do because God, our Creator, asked us to do that. And whether it's the Lentian fast of Christians, the Yom Kippur fast, of Judaism, any of the fasts and the other traditions, faith traditions, or no tradition that you may feel you're doing a fast, or the new fads of intermittent fasting for weight loss. But whatever it might be, I do think that this year especially we remember how quickly things can change in society. No storms, no acts of nature. Simply a virus comes and then the government decides to react. If you listen to these podcasts before, you know that my opinion is that we way, way, way overreacted when it comes to coronavirus, COVID-19. And I've explained that before, how flattening the curve turned into flattening the economy, flattening society. And we were so far under the curve that it was an overtreatment. The treatment was far worse than the disease and now we've got a pandemic of another kind, of unemployment, of chronic illnesses left unfettered, untouched, untreated for months and months, and the, and the sequelae have yet to be realized as trillions of dollars are being handed out. But this Ramadan, it was interesting in that many Muslims did not feel simply that we were isolated fasting because of our faith, but rather society was isolated that the rest of society was also fasting, but not by choice, but by force. 
And before I get to, I think, one of the defining moments for the Islamists, if you will, I want to wish my fellow Muslims an Eid Mubarak. Eid is the word for holiday. Mubarak means blessed. A blessed holiday of the Eid, al futr of the holiday of the feast. And we hope, I hope that this month has allowed each of us to discover a renewed sense of spiritual solace. Yes, a trying time of isolation and unprecedented pressures for all Americans. A time where we rededicated ourselves to our families, our purpose, our humanity, our faith, and our country. Our duty to protect our nation and our duty to protect our world from the radical savagery of militant Islamism. And on this coinciding Memorial Day weekend, may our prayers for those who gave the ultimate sacrifice for our nation also be heard. We always have many opportunities to share the mission of our work at the American Islamic Forum for Democracy and on this podcast that reformed this. And during this time of sacrifice, reflection, and spiritual growth, we thank I thank all of you who've offered your blessings and wishes for continued success. And to those who continue to support our efforts, we thank you forever and yours in liberty. Enjoy your families. Enjoy the freedom, the freedom to practice your faith here in America like no other place in the world, which just is phenomenal to me. The fact that, the fact that we can choose to fast, not fast, choose to pray or not pray, build a mosque, not build a mosque, do things that define our Muslim identity to the way we each individually want it, not the way the Islamists or the theocrats want it. Now, despite that, there are challenges. There are definite challenges, and with the Islamists fueled by the national or the international global caliphate community, those who want a caliphate, the neo-caliphists, fueled by the OIC, have tried to hijack our community. The most notable of them is a political action committee called MGAGE, E-M-G-A-G-E. And they sent out a press release this week that I think is a defining moment. So you know, when people say, how do you know who the Islamists are? You all practice fasting and prayer. You read the same Quran. How do we tell the difference? And there's two extremes. There's one extreme that says, oh, there's so many differences. The, uh, the, the militants are militant and the rest are just peaceful. Uh, no, it's more complicated than that. Then the other extreme, well, they're all Muslims. They're all either terrorists or going to be terrorists. So it doesn't matter. Somewhere in between is the truth for 90, 98% of us. Well, M-Gage, a pack fueled by support of many of the mosque leaderships, the Islamic establishment around the country. mgageaction.org. Take a look at them. It's a defining platform for a American Muslim Brotherhood party, if you will, how the Islamists would function together as a unit. Well, Amara Majid sends out a, as a point of contact, an M-Gage action, and they condemn Trump's call to reopen houses of worship amidst pandemic. They condemn Trump's call to reopen houses of worship amidst pandemic. Now, I remember this week, 
we're seeing in Chicago, in New York, in California, governors empowering their local police to tow cars to prevent worshipers from going into their mosques, into their churches, rather, into their synagogues, because they feel that they're not able to practice social distancing, that they cannot get together in groups greater than 10, and they're non-essential. And the debate ramped up further this week when President Trump declared religious facilities essential facilities. And many of the governors said, well, that's not yours to call. In our states, we will not do that. And many of the priests and, and, and religious leaders in the Jewish and the Christian communities and others said, we've weighed the benefits and the risks. We will adhere to face masks, to distancing. But we would like to have the ability, just like you opened other facilities in your state, we would like to have the ability to worship together and practice our First Amendment, first freedom, first liberty of religious freedom and congregational assembly. And this is, if there's ever, if there has ever a reason, and as you know, as an anti-Islamist, somebody who's against the political collectivisms of Muslims as an ism, like capitalism, socialism, Islamism is a political ideology, cornered, founded rather, with a cornerstone in Islamic theology and Islamic theocracy. But if there's ever one reason to collectivize it is to protect your religious freedom so that Muslims can practice their faith. So you'd think Muslims would support, the Islamists would support Christian and Jewish collective defense of their own freedoms of practice. Because freedom of religion is not protected in the middle, it's protected at the fringes. Just like we talked on the Charlie Hebdo printing of criticisms of Islam and free speech is protected at the fringes, even if it offends. It is the government's role in the measures of true freedom of speech in, in protecting those that offend. Not those that are just that are benign and full of platitudes. The ones that draw the drawings, like Charlie Hebdo did, and then fourteen of them paid the ultimate price in the shooting and terror act in Paris, where ISIS slaughtered them. And at that time, the Islamists. did not defend Charlie Hebdo's right to free speech. They said their speech should be limited. They said that they don't have a right. They called that incitement. Even though there was no violence preached, no calls for violence, it was simply a level of criticism of Islam that raised to the level of incitement. So similarly, on another part of the First Amendment, the Islamists this time feel that congregation congregational worships and gathering need the power of the government to prevent them from doing so. Because it creates a risk high enough that the government should intervene and negate that freedom of assembly. And this is a great debate. We're going to probably see a lot of cases and litigation come forth. But there are some things... Yes... 
And the Islamists, on the other hand, would not do Zoom prayers. They do Zoom sermons and discussions, but no Zoom prayers because it was against their interpretation of orthodoxy that the that the Prophet Muhammad never gathered remotely. Therefore, you can't do it. <laughs> Don't you love this paradigm that they are negating in every way possible the rules that allow congregational prayer? So in their press release, but that's a little bit of a diversion. In their press release, M-Gage condemned Trump's call to reopen houses of worship. They said a national Muslim American advocacy organization condemns his deeming places of worship essential during the COVID-19 pandemic. Imagine Islamists who were all about religion speaking for everybody condemned them calling it essential. He threatened to override governors if their state failed to follow the new guidelines. This announcement from this week comes right before Eid al-Futr, the most important Islamic holiday which Muslims around the world are celebrating today or tomorrow. Oh, so therefore they're sort of saying, what are they saying to you? Here's the translation. Oh, this is our greatest, most important time of the year, and we are sacrificing this for you, and therefore you, Christians and Jews, should also sacrifice it, and therefore we are weaponizing our collectivism as Muslims against the Jews and the Christians that want freedom of worship because we are goody-goodies supporting Biden's criticism of Trump. We are ready to serve the left. That's what the interpretation of is that. They couldn't even sit this one out. You don't want to go to congregational prayer because you're afraid of spreading the virus? Fine. But why make a statement on behalf of every other, they, they made the statement, President Trump's call to reopen houses of worship is absolutely ludicrous, M. Gage says, which is speaking on behalf of not only mosques, but CARE, the Council on American Council for American Islamist Radicalization. No, okay, Council of American Islamic Relations, Muslim Public Affairs Council, a number of others, whichever of the Muslim Brotherhood alphabet soup falls under M. Gage. Maybe not impact, but you can do the homework. It's an establishment organization for Islamists. And they said, during Ramadan, Muslim Americans abided by stay-at-home orders. We will do the same for Eid al-Fitr, usually characterized by communal worship and joyous celebration. The public health of our fellow Americans is far too sacred. Oh, how sanctimonious. Far too sacred for us to risk threatening. Muslim Americans are committed to sacrificing our most beloved experience in the service of playing our role in halting the proliferation of COVID-19. And we hold ourselves accountable to this responsibility regardless of what Trump orders. Wa'il al-Zayyat, CEO of M-Gage Action. They are a civic organization with headquarters in D.C., Michigan, Texas, Florida, Pennsylvania, Virginia, New York. Talk about sanctimonious, nauseating BS. This is a religious organization that decided not only to remain silent and not defend its Christian and Jewish brothers and sisters that wanted the ability to congregate and make their own choices, but no, they wanted to trump that. Trump that under the guise of religion, when in fact it is political hackery, pure, 
unmitigated, unadulterated political hackery. And the, the demonstration of this bond between the left and the Islamists, the red-green axis. There it is, folks. When the left needs some bludgeon on top of Trump, on top of the conservatives, whatever it might be, the Islamists are sure ready and willing to become that bludgeon. And they will use it whenever possible, even when it stands against supposedly their priorities, which is religious freedom for Islamists, as they claimed year after year when they hated the Patriot Act, when they hated Muslim mapping, because it was following the ideologies, the public ideologies of Islamists. No, that was entrapment. No, that was on and on. All the fictitious threats and some appropriate challenges, but proven at this point, I don't think there was a single case dismissed because of quote-unquote entrapment, and yet they cried it at every every turn because it affected their religious freedom. But now, in the name of a virus and a continued lockdown for months after months as the economy shattered and now we have almost 40 million Americans on unemployment and more and more disease is being untreated as suicide rates, depression rates, uh, all the chronic diseases are becoming worse and worse, a new pandemic after the pandemic. No, that doesn't matter. They want to attack President Trump for calling for a resumption of religious worship and religious services. It's pathetic. Absolutely pathetic. And by the way, the Council on American-Islamic Relations responded they said sorry president trump but the u.s islamic scholars and muslim leaders agree here they are again these nincompoops are speaking on behalf of every muslim in america u.s islamic scholars and leaders agree that we will not be reopening mosques for the immediate future as we are taking covid seriously who would have thought care said trump is fighting to open mosques and we are for keeping them closed trump says Black, they say white. If Trump says jump, they say lie down. It's completely irrational. And they make it seem, their quote on that tweet I just read you from Kara National, who would have thought Trump is fighting to open mosques and we are keeping them closed? Their agenda is right there, everybody. It's political hackery. That's the Muslim Brotherhood. So when people say, how do you know care is a Muslim Brotherhood? There it is, right there. Classic Islamist collectivism. It's not about principle of religious freedom. It's simply against those that may live on the margins of wanting to be free, may want to take the acceptable risk of a virus. And the Islamists are the ones who determine what is not or is acceptable for a religious community, isn't it? Last, I have to talk to you this as a military officer now on Memorial Day every year. I try to visit the, the local veteran cemetery here in Arizona. In the past, some of my friends and I have done so. We do interfaith worship a prayer at the Veterans Memorial, Veterans Cemetery here in Phoenix, north side of Phoenix. 
and I know we've complained about the New York Times before, but this every time they go low, I I go and they I think to myself they cannot go any lower. But sure enough, the opinion pages has a KKK hood shaped like a missile and a bullet. And the title of it, from the entire editorial board, this is not from one whack job. This is the New York Times editorial board this weekend, a Memorial Day weekend. Why does the U.S. military celebrate white supremacy? Why does the U.S. military celebrate white supremacy? And he said, it's time to rename bases for American heroes, not racist traitors. And they go on to talk about how Southern pride bases in the South, from Charleston to areas in the Confederacy, are celebrating slavery and celebrating white supremacy. First of all, we've had this debate, debate about statues versus monuments and other things. Fine. Understand that there are certain aspects in history in which the relegation of heroism heroism should be looked upon upon the entirety of a human being and not just simply specific threads of that. That's fine. We can have that debate. But on Memorial Day weekend, for a generalization that the entire military is supportive of the attitudes of slavery, When in fact, there was no greater institution that I served in which I felt was more blind to race than the United States Navy. And I'm sure that applies to the U.S. Army, the U.S. Air Force, and the Marines, and all of our military men and women serving in uniform. So many icons in the African-American community and other minorities have served with dignity, with distinction. And may their memory be a blessing for those who gave the ultimate sacrifice, who gave the ultimate sacrifice. And on this weekend, instead of lifting up that message the New York Times editorial board slams the entire U.S. military as a racist organization. And it's relevant to this podcast, ladies and gentlemen, because that is that writing from their editorial board might as well have been the writing of the Muslim Brotherhood, of the Qatari government, the Iranian government, that claims that the American government the American people are racist, are bigots, they're anti-Muslim, when in fact our families have had more freedom to practice faith than in any so-called Muslim country in Iran, Saudi Arabia, Qatar, or any of them. Because in those countries, only certain Muslims get freedom. The others who question the leadership, who question the rules, have their heads chopped off, their hands cut off, they're put in prison, tortured, or shipped out. So what greater narrative on America than to read the New York Times and their entire editorial board that says that the U.S. military 
is a bigoted organization, the same U.S. military that, as per the Iranian media, slaughtered innocents in Iraq, slaughters innocents around the planet, is a hateful fascist organization per the Hamas media. The Muslim Brotherhood ideology is that the others, the non-Muslims, they divide the world into the land of Islam and the land of war. So what better way for the New York Times to radicalize American Muslims than to say that those living here in the land of war are living in a government with a military that is racist. And thus, ladies and gentlemen, I don't care if you're left or right, I really don't. But if you are still curious about why the Islamists get the the warmth of the cockles of their heart warmed by the ideology of the left, it's because of how deeply anti-American anti-patriot the left can be. Remember, last year I talked to you about how the Islamists refuse to celebrate Memorial Day. How the Islamists at CARE San Francisco, at CARE San Diego, refused to fly the flag, refused even in their tweets would tweet out that they they are conflicted. They cannot celebrate it because so many Americans have killed Muslims on and on. Offensive, offensive nonsense. Especially with so many Muslims serving with distinction in the U.S. military to keep this country safe from enemies foreign and domestic. But the message is the same. The message is that service in the U.S. military is run by a leadership and organizational dogma that is anti-freedom, that is anti-American, when in fact it is the Islamists and their disgust for our flag and our military that is anti-American and anti-freedom. It is the left, as evidenced by their editorial at the New York Times and their leadership that seems to have a penchant of being grotesquely anti-American. And together, the red-green axis is what drives the anti-Semitism of the UN with governments like Venezuela working with Iran in the red-green axis, with governments like Russia working with Iran in the red-green axis and Qatar. And you have that same axis working in America between the Islamists of Engage, the Islamists of Care, working with the New York Times in the constant mantra of victimization. So fear not. The enemies of America multiply together. Multiply together. They're disgust to radicalize their base. Remember, President Obama's preacher that he that he dismissed and said that he really didn't attend that church. It's relevant to remember that perhaps the right exaggerated the impact of that. That's not the debate. 
But the fact is, for 20-some years, the Obamas attended a service in which the preacher was heard saying things like GD America, etc. So this is not this, this ideology, as I teach my kids to, yes, be critical of American policy when possible, and, and, and to speak up, to believe in principles, to stand for what you believe as we've done in this COVID crisis. Stand against those who may act in a way whose policies I disagree with, but do so in a patriotic way. Not simply with a generic anti-American, anti-military concept to degrade the few things that unify us. But that's what the Islamists and the left do in their collectivism. Well, I hope as you begin to look at that relationship between the left and the Islamists, you realize that this is not to say that you can't be a oh, a, a, a Democrat, a, a left-leaning individual for whatever reason it might be for those values that you feel that your home is not on the right, that somehow that automatically labels you as an Islamist sympathizer. No. But the left has a major problem in its leadership and its penchant to push ideas that are right in line in harmony, in harmony with the Islamist penchant and mantra against America. And that needs to be repaired. No different, but I think far more of a problem. Yes, on the right, there are some issues that sometimes need to be clarified in how we deal with anti-immigrant mentality, anti-whatever it might be. But we deal with those, and I've talked to you about them here on this program before. But I disagree with the concept of moral equivalency. There is no moral equivalency behind what might have happened in Charlottesville and the global relationship between the left and the Islamists. There's no moral equivalency there. And if you try to make it so, you are in denial and you're dishonest. Well, we have a lot of work to do again for my fellow Americans Thank you for your service if you've served and for all that you do for those who gave the ultimate sacrifice. God bless you. You will always be in our prayers. And on this Memorial Day, I hope you all loved, had time for your loved ones and had time, whether it's from a barbecue to the pool or whatever it might be, to share with your family as we get back to work, get the engine of the American economy back to work. For my fellow Muslims, hope you had a rewarding, a fulfilling month of fasting in Ramadan. God bless you all. God bless the United States of America. This is Zudi Jasser on Reform This. Follow us on Twitter at Dr. Zudi Jasser, D-R-Z-U-H-D-I-J-A-S-S-E-R, and at Reform This Radio. Share this podcast. Subscribe. Find us on, on iTunes and at the Blaze Podcast Network. God bless. See you next week. Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser. 
Blaze Radio Network.